Praise God. Bless his wonderful name. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter six, verse 63. Again, that's John chapter six, verse 63. And it reads, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and are life. The words that I speak to you are spirit and it is life. Have you ever been down and discouraged and through the word of the Lord, someone encouraged your heart or perhaps you were seeking direction. You were seeking an answer and through the word of God, you perhaps you were listening to the word or someone may have given you a word, but you received direction. You re I should say it this way. You received an answer to the questions you received an answer. You knew exactly what you needed to do. Or you were about to make a decision or you were going down the wrong path, but the word of the Lord came to you. God showed you some things or he may have used someone to give correction. And when those things happen to us, we are filled with joy and we thank God and praise God for giving us direction and correction. That's the word of God says once again, my words, they're spirit and they are life. It is life. It is life. Another verse says it is health to all their flesh. The word of God. It is so valuable. Once again, Jesus said my words, they're spirit and they're life. They are life. I'm kind of reminded another scripture says that that he would give you power to be strengthened by his spirit. In the inner man, it's something about when the spirit of God encourages your heart, you are elated. Your heart is filled and overflowing flows with joy. It's something about God's word. It speaks life to you. It speaks life to you. Now, let me ask you this question. Have you ever disobeyed God? Have you ever disobeyed God in something that seemed like it was not that big a deal? Wasn't that important? It seemed very small. In fact, in and of itself, it's not the big 10. God may have just told you, don't do this, don't do that. But, you know, when you disobey God and do it anyway, that's a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous place to be. Now, why is this so dangerous? One, we know is disobedience. But two, if you're not careful, you'll sink more and more into that and to spiral down, if you will, to the point if you're not careful, you'll be off somewhere. You'll look up and wonder, how did I get here? Well, it all started by just disobeying one seemingly not important instruction. Or something that you knew what you should have done, but you did not. And you know what? Because you didn't think it was a big deal, you never did repent. And the enemy will slowly and, and, and stealthily, if you will, lead you down the, right, the wrong path. And you'll be somewhere wondering, once again, how did I get here? Now, so let's look at this. The enemy will tempt you 
to just disobey a simple, seemingly benign word, something that you know to do, but it's not big, but it's just a simple instruction. And most of the time when the enemy does that, oftentimes, you know what? It goes undetected. We don't even realize and know it's the enemy. We just think it's our thoughts. And the enemy, once again, will convince us or try to convince us to just disobey this one seemingly little thing. The enemy is crafty. Now, let's look closely. What's really happening here? The danger of this is when you disobey God in this seemingly not important area, if you will. You open up the door for the enemy to talk to you about other areas in your life. I'm reminded of the old people. They, the older people, they had a saying. They said, listen, don't let the devil ride. Don't let the devil ride, because if you let him ride, he'll teach you how to drive, how to drive. Now, let's look at this. To let him ride means you have to let him in your car. You have to let him in. What does that mean? You disobeyed that one instruction. And if you notice, he'll be talking to you from the back seat. Next thing you'll know, he'll be in the front seat. Next thing you know, he's driving your car. He'll push you out and drive your car. In other words, your life be so far out of control and you don't know how to put on the brakes. You like you have no con more control, no control over your life. He will drive your life into destruction. But it all came from this one simple act of disobedience. You know, Jesus said once again, my words, they are spirit and they are life then the enemy's words, it appeals to the soulish realm or it is sensual and it always equals death. If you notice, this is the very opposite of God. Jesus said, once again, my words, they are spirit and they are life. The enemy's words is soulish and it's sensual and it always equals death. In fact, I'm reminded in James where it says that when a man is enticed, he's drawn away by his own lust. And soon that lust, if it's not if it's not checked or stopped, it will develop into sin and sin eventually will always invite death. Once again, the enemy's words are soulish and it's sensual and it always equals death. Now, once again, when we disobey God in these seemingly small Areas that really looks like it really doesn't matter. We open up the enemy to talk to our minds in all other areas in our lives. And let me say this. Once the enemy gets in, he's going to attack the area where you're standing in faith. He will try to get you to compromise the word that you're standing on. Because after all, we let him in. We let him in. So what's the point here? You cannot let him in. He will teach you how to drive and shipwreck. Your life. Now, let me give you an example of this. Years ago, I never forget. It was like on a Thursday. I was the I was I was was really was under pressure to make a decision. And, you know, the enemy was talking to my mind and I was battling. I was, I was going back and forth with it, which wasn't good. And one finally I was once I was placed under pressure where I had to seemingly look like I had to make a decision. You know what? I made the decision that pleased my flesh. In other words, 
what I wanted to do. I was under pressure. Have you ever been under pressure to make a decision fast, quickly? Yeah. But this is interesting. This was on a Thursday. Well, I noticed on Friday, I made another compromising decision in the area that had nothing to do with the area that I compromised on Thursday or what I, whatever the thing I, w- I compromised on Thursday. It had nothing to do with that. And then Saturday came. And you know what? By that time, guess what? There was no struggle. I just dumped up and did something crazy that once again had nothing to do with those two areas done the previous days. And this time it wasn't even about it. I just did it. Sunday came the Lord's Day. Y'all know I did it again and I didn't even catch it to a few maybe minutes or, 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 or hours after I compromised. You all, by Monday, I was so perplexed. I was so disappointed. I was wondering, God, how did this happen? I'm like, now, God, listen, first of all, I knew I recognized that. Yeah, I know the Lord was with me, but I didn't have that same flow or fellowship that I normally had with God. And then I was I was baffled on how I was so quickly to compromise in these different areas. And it wasn't even a struggle. You know, the first day it was a struggle. I struggled. I went back and forth. But by the time Saturday and Sunday, there was no struggle. I would just compromise just like that. And the the thing that was was was, if you will, uh, alarming was when Sunday came, I didn't even catch it to maybe an hour or two later. This is exactly how the enemy pulls us away from the road of righteousness and pull us off the track lead us off the track. And if we keep on that course, we'll be so far from the place that God has for us. We won't even think right. We won't even look the same. Once again, Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. The enemy's word is always appeals to your soul or it's in soulish and sensual and it always equals death. So once again, that Monday morning, I was thinking, I was like, God, what is going on? I feel like I'm not in control of my life. And I sincerely began to pray to God and God revealed to me how everything happened. He said, remember when you compromised on Thursday under pressure, under pressure to make a decision. He showed the Holy Spirit showed me, he said, when you did that, it opened up the door for the enemy to attack you and all these other areas and areas that you're standing in faith. You compromise. So thank God for his grace and mercy. God gave me a set of instructions to fix every last situation that I compromised on. He allowed me and gave me the answers how to fix it. And some of that stuff I had to do some digging. It took a little time. But, you know, how many of y'all understand it takes no time to mess up. But you know what? To rebuild it, sometimes it takes you a little bit of time, a little bit more time, you know. So we thank God once again for his grace and his mercy. Once again, what makes disobeying God so dangerous? Because the enemy is so subtle, oftentimes we will not repent. 
because we don't even recognize it. We don't recognize it. And I thank God, once again, I was able to stop the course that the enemy had plotted for me and get back on the Lord's side. But once again, when we compromise, we always open up the door for the enemy to talk to our minds. Remember, he appeals to your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. He has something that's called common sense. And oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes common sense is an enemy when it comes to you standing in faith and believing God for something. In fact, the enemy always uses common sense to get you to abdicate your position of faith in God's word and to go do what everyone else, what the world does. The word of God tells us not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may be able to prove what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. And we have to do this even under pressure. Even under pressure. It doesn't matter. We got to know, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is your will for me? What did you tell me to do, God? What what did you say in your word? What was the rhema word that you gave me? I have to stand on it. You have to stand on that. We have to stand on that word regardless of what the consequences may be. My words, they are spirit and they are life. The enemy's words, it appeals to the soul. It is sensual. It appeals to all this, all of your senses. And it always equals death. It always equals death. Once again, we don't, when we disobey God's word, we simply just despise the word. We do not esteem that word. We despise the word. Now, despise oftentimes, it seems like it's an ugly word, but to despise something means that you just don't put much faith in it or you don't put much thought about it. You don't put much stock in that word. It doesn't matter. The word of God says you despise the word when you don't obey the word. You despise it. Now, it doesn't mean that you hate God, but you just choose to obey the word of the enemy versus the word of God in these seemingly small, insignificant areas in our lives. Now, we have to be careful by despising the word. We ought to esteem the word or obey the word. First of all, let's look at this. And I heard Kenneth Copeland say this, and this is so good. When you receive a word from the Lord, especially you receive a word of correction, think about what happens when you're corrected by God. It sets you on a course. It sets your direction because for you to be corrected means you're changing course. You're changing directions. So when you receive correction and you take action, that means you're going in a different direction. And when you go uh, in that direction, then you are protected. You have protection. But once again, if we listen to the words of the enemy, when we listen to his words, think about what happens. We're not corrected. It means we're still charted for the same course that we be on, that we're traveling, and that also means that we'll end up in death. Now, that may not always be physical death, but it could be death of your marriage, it could be death 
of your financial status. It could be death of your your job, it could be death of, of, of various different things, death of, of, of real relationships because we fail to disobey God. Now, why do we fail to disobey God? Oftentimes it's because we're selfish. We're selfish. And also, you know what? We do not trust God in the area that we disobey him. Yeah, we can sing and say, I love you, Lord. I trust you with my whole heart. But the area that you disobey God in is the area that you lack trust. You do not trust God in that area, because if you trusted him in that area, you would obey and keep his commandments. The word of God says, once again, Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. The enemy's words, it appeals to your soulish realm. It is sensual. It appeals to your senses and it always equals death. It always equals death. Let's not despise God's word. Let's highly esteem God's word. In other words, let's obey his word and shun the enemy's words. Cast those thoughts down. Now, let's give you, an, I'm going to give you an example of this. As someone who did not esteem God's word, but despised God's word, which means they didn't believe God's word. They kind of laughed at God's word, but they paid a heavy price for that. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 7. Again, that's 2 Kings chapter 7. We'll begin reading at verse 1. But while you're turning there, let me kind of give you the backdrop. During this time, there's a great famine in the land. This famine is so severe that women are eating their own children. The famine is so severe that their person, dung is very valuable. You know, anytime where a mother will eat her own child and dung is valuable for, for, for eating or to make some type of soup or whatever, you're in a bad shape. You're in a bad shape. Listen, that land is in a bad shape. So that lets you know the scarcity of food. And this is where we began reading at verse, at, uh, verse 1, chapter 7. It says, Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. And then an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God. If the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this thing happen? And he said, he being Elijah, you will see it with your eyes but you will not eat from it. Now let's look at it. I just described a few moments ago how severe the famine was. Then all of a sudden, in 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, the word of God says, Elisha received the word of the Lord. And basically, basically that word was that there's going to be so much food that the food will be not will not be valued by much. It, food will be cheap. Let me say it that way. The food will be cheap this time tomorrow. You know, sometimes when we hear the word of the Lord, it is so magnanimous. It's so big. It requires faith to lay hold. But sometimes it's so big for our little small thinking. And if you're not a person of faith, 
you'll count it as a fable. You'll, you'll think this is impossible. You know, the word God says, with God, all things are possible. Well, that's exactly what happened to this officer. Now, the word of God says this was an officer in which the king leaned on, or it was, you could say like this, it was his right-hand man. So this man had status and importance. But how many of y'all understand, I don't care how much status or importance a person may carry or the person may have, their thoughts and opinion is nothing in comparison to the word of God. In fact, their words is frivolous. It, it, it's not important at all. It means nothing. So what am I saying? Anytime that the word of the Lord comes to you or you receive a word and then someone who may be influential or who may have impact your life says something other than what the word of the Lord came to you and what, what you received from God, Always obey God's word and shun that person of importance, shun their word. This man, this, this officer was the king's right hand man. He was his right hand man. But yet he despised the word of the Lord. He despised, he thought very little of the word of the Lord. He didn't re receive the word of the Lord because he didn't believe the word of the Lord. So guess what? He went according to his senses. He spoke out of his soul. And I don't mean in a very good way. That word or that doubt from the enemy permeated his thinking. So much so that he spoke what he thought or the thoughts of the enemy. And when he spoke those words of doubt, he believed those words of doubt, but what happened? It caused him his life. Let's read. Well, actually, we're going to read a paraphrase. After this, there was about there are four leprous men who basically said to themselves, hey, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go to the, the Syrian camp, they may feed us. But the, what's the worst thing that could happen? They may kill us. Well, we're going to die anyway. They had a good revelation, didn't they? So the word of God says they struck out. But when they went towards the, the Syrians camp, the word of God says that God basically caused their footsteps to be magnified. So much so that the Syrian army thought that, the, that Israel had hired these foreign armies to fight against them. And they fled the scene and ran away out of fear. So when these four leprous men found all of the, the camp with all of the food and the precious this and that and the valuable things there. They began to eat. And then the thought came to them. We need to share this information with others. So long story short, they was able to get word to someone at the gate and the person at the gate was able to get word to the king. And so the king sent a delegation to see if this was true. And they found out it was true. And somehow the people remember they're starving. They found out about it. And they rushed to get the food. Well, the king, you know, the person that the right hand man whom doubted the word of the Lord. Tried to keep order. But, you know, it's kind of hard to keep order when some people when people are starving. Remember, we said women are killing their children. And they're buying dung. When it gets that severe. 
unless you got to listen, when it gets that severe, it's hard to keep anybody who's starving and, and hungry from food. Well, once once again, the long story short, that man was trampled over and he lost his life. Why? Not because the people were so hungry, but because he did not believe the word of the Lord. The enemy tricked him. He went down the wrong path. Remember, we said the enemies, his words, they are soulish. They are sensual and it always equals death. He listened to the wrong voice. He did not esteem God's word from the man of God. He esteemed his own thoughts, his own common sense, his own unbelief. Rather than the word of God. And it once again cost him his life. The soulless realm. Sensuality always equals death. Jesus said, once again, my words, they are spirit and they lie. Now, Elisha, his word gave hope. But just like he said, this time tomorrow, the next day, food was cheap. It was so much food. The word literally gave life to those who partook of the food. It gave them life. It brought hope to their minds. They found out about it and they rushed to go get the food. You all. Jesus said once again, my words, their spirit and their life. When you receive a word from the Lord, no matter how insignificant it may seem. Once again, let's look at the, the officer. He thought that this word was insignificant. In other words, he didn't put any stock in that word. He didn't believe the word. Once again, any time. You receive a word from the Lord, regardless of how benign it may seem. Follow the word. When you follow that word, it will protect you. It will give you direction. It'll give you the direction. If you continue following the word, you'll go right into your promised land. Or we can say it this way. You'll, you'll go right into, fall right into, arrive at your wealthy place. But if you lightly esteem the word if you despise the word then guess what you're going to be your life will be set on a trajectory towards death my words they are spirit and they are life